Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, guys, week one is in the books. Uh, very promising. A lot of promising. It was, it was there for the taking. And look, uh, to walk out of this with a tie kind of stinks, kind of sucks. Uh, it wasn't looking too promising, probably through about three and a half quarters. Everything started to pick up. Uh, the defense, ridiculous job. I know the total yards, wouldn't. Uh, you're not going to get it from that standpoint. But these guys, when it came down to the back against the wall, it was there. Pete Smith, NFL spin zone. Pete, look, 1-31, uh, starting 0-0-1. Look, it ain't the greatest thing in the world, but it ain't 0-1, and you ain't been embarrassed by Big Brother yet again. Um. So I'm actually going to start with the positive here. I thought the game was over at 21-7. There was I, don't this, think, I don't think anybody else disagrees with you. Yeah, I and, and obviously the way they tied it up was you know not typical, uh, but that you know when they scored when when it went up 21-7, it felt like the the air came out of the balloon. So. And obviously, Miles Garrett was a big part of this, but the defense in general has obviously become the engine of whatever you want to call this thing. They essentially willed this team every opportunity to win this game. Now, is it disappointing coming with the tie? Sort of. I mean, they had the opportunity to win. They had they had their chance to win the game. So, I mean, it, it sucks from that standpoint. At the same time. God, they tried to give this one away so many times and, and and didn't ultimately lose. And if they had, it would have been sort of that same old Browns conversation. So, I don't know. It, it's There's there's enough on every side of this where you can feel anything you want out of this and, and probably will over the course of even this show. Uh, absolutely. You know, Miles Garrett, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Larry, Larry Okunjobi with a big sack. Um, look, when you get six turnovers in a game, you really have to be excited about the defense. And this is what we kind of talked about it in some stages was when you lost Emmanuel Ogbaugh last year, when you lost Jamie Collins last year, there wasn't enough teeth or depth to this defense. Now, especially in this front seven and in the secondary, look, they're still finding their way, but you've got a lot more depth. So you can absorb a hit, or you can absorb a guy, absorb a guy having to take two or three plays off to get a breather, and that's kind of what you saw here today. Uh, Miles Garrett, look, guys, uh, you know, obviously, you know, on, you know, it's going to break the NFL record. He's on pace for a 32 sack season. You know, that's the way this all works, this math. But uh, you see a guy who every all the attention in the world was on, and still can do what he is capable of doing. Offensively, uh, look, the running game, look, if anybody listened to the pregame show with me and Pete, one thing we said that maybe could keep him in this game today with the weather and all the issues that were going to be was you had a quarterback who's extremely athletic, he's able to run the ball, and he did a tremendous job with that. And that was one thing that was able to keep them in this game until they started to get some things clicking. You know, Jarvis Landry, first game as Brown, you know, seven for over 100 yards. Kudos there. Um, but what you did see is when you finally decided to call Josh Gordon's number in a spot he was comfortable in, hey, what a shock. The stud performed, Pete. Uh, the offense was incredibly frustrating. And, and, yes, Tyrod, certainly with his legs, was effective. The problem is because of his legs, he was willing to sit there in the pocket way too long in certain situations, and he had uh, 77 yards rushing problem is he also took 47 sacks 
for 47 yards backwards. So, it, yes, it made some plays. Certainly, it led to the first touchdown and, and kept some drives going. But it was equally frustrating uh, to lose so many yards. And some of it was the offensive line, but some of it was just Tyrod doing doing things that were going to get him killed. Um, I said I've said all offseason, and, and people were, got madder and madder. Jarvis Landry can't be a leading receiver, uh, and, and he had a good day. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, what frustrated me most with Jarvis Landry was it didn't seem like until the fourth quarter where they actually figured out where he's really good in that those little mid, mid-range, out-route-type plays where he can just sort of make a quick cut, get the ball right now. Like, throwing at him going deep was confusing. He did make the one play, uh, one nice catch. But his usage was a little confusing. But it contrast that where you throw 15 balls at Jarvis Landry and Josh Gordon gets three. And one of them should, one of them was a touchdown. It was a great play. One of them should have been a touchdown if the quarterback threw it on time. And then, you know, the other one was the, the pass that basically put them into overtime, which was also underthrown. He had it, would have won. So if you're looking at this, and this is what you get talking to efficiency and stuff like this, you're saying 15 targets, 106 yards for Jarvis Landry. You go, oh, he had a pretty good day. Three targets for Josh Gordon. He had a touchdown. May have had three touchdowns if they just had better balls. Like that's where you get into what makes the smart choice on offense. What's an efficient choice for the offense? So, yeah, like that's the stuff where you're going to be annoyed and frustrated that between uh, Josh Gordon and and Duke Johnson, they had two catches. Those are the guys who are supposed to be playmakers and you come away with two catches. That's hard to sort of stomach that you come into this and that's all you can get out of those guys. And this is kind of what we've been getting on. you know. And look, you know, Jarvis Landry, look, the numbers were there today and I've softened my stance some. Pete has not. That's okay. But Josh Gordon is kind of like Novocaine where you have guys who are painkillers. They are straight painkillers. Go to them. Uh, if you guys were watching, I put out the tweet early, and I said, Tyrod playing safe and indecisive is only going to amp up the Baker talk, as it should. Baker Mayfield, one thing that we did see in the preseason was he showed great escapability, but the other thing that we saw from Baker Mayfield was he'll get rid of the damn ball and he'll throw it to his mom in Section Z, Row 6, to not avoid a sack. Tyrod Taylor, these were some issues we saw today. As great as the mobility is, you need to be more cognizant of down and distance and you cannot take sacks and a guy with Tyrod's athletic ability cannot be sacked seven times whether it's on the offensive line or not he's a phenomenal athlete he runs very well he's got great legs he cannot take this amount of sacks Pete right and what had happened in the first game last year with Deshaun Kaiser as as a rookie quarterback he took seven sacks and most of them were on him and that's a huge reason the Browns ultimately came up short last year and a huge reason they came up with a tie this year. The Browns offense, as it's currently slated and given you know what was an absolute downpour, and this was true of both teams, could not afford negative plays. And every one of those sacks, obviously, is a negative play. Putting yourself behind the sticks when you're, you're just desperately trying to get some semblance of an offense and you got nothing. I mean... From a, a total yardage standpoint, the Browns got basically nothing in five quarters of football. That's a problem, and and I, I, it never seemed to click for him that you 
can't have this sort of happen. And and, and on, on some level, I guess you you chalk it up to poise and not being like rattled and anything. But at the same time, he's making the same mistakes over and over again, and it just got incredibly frustrating that you there was this sort of sense that you knew what was going to come and, and and what what how this was going to sort of end for him and that's where, where it's tough and, and and you mentioned baker mayfield and and i think uh tyrod will get a pass uh, from the coaching staff i think the fan base will be infuriated uh and i think over the course of the week the fan base will kind of come back to the idea that well it was you know this horrible weather game but now the browns are going to go to on the road in a dome if he has this type of game where you're sitting here just constantly frustrated with how little he's able to do, then that's when the, the shouts are going to get really loud and you're going to be at risk where the next home game is just going to be a never-ending chant for Baker Mayfield. I mean, look, this stuff's already going to go on when you're talking about the number one overall pick. So, And, and this was kind of what hurts you because you know, the one thing we were sure of with Tyrod is he should make the plays that are given to him Whereas Baker, he's going to make some stuff that's not going to happen. Guys, we're breaking down the week one tie, 21-21. Look, uh, there's no moral victories. Hey, look, I mean, granted, you didn't lose, but this is a game that they could have won. They had, you know, they had the opportunity late in the game to win. Uh, Tyrod's interception, obviously the blocked field goal. It is what it is, but it isn't a loss at the end of the day. I'm not taking out pom-poms for it, nor is Pete, but it's week one. It's Pittsburgh Steelers. You did not lose the game. Guys, uh, everyone asks, um, as far as you know, betting and stuff like that, look, I can give you my opinion. You want to read a column. Our uh, Pete and I's buddy, Jeff Risden, does a great betting column, and it usually works out pretty well. But if you want to bet, what I can suggest to you is to use a site who can get you everything you want as far as what you're looking for and taking care of your money, mybookie.com. They are established. The website is great. The apps are great. Everything along with the site the few bets I make a year, I do do it through them. I usually like to do like Thanksgiving, you're around family, it gets annoying, but you got three games, so you put a little money down. But mybookie.com, uh, the thing I love about them, I mean, the reputation is there. They've been there for years. So mybookie.com, if you guys go there, first things first, uh, they will match your initial deposit. So if it's $100, they will, obviously it's going to be $200. So whatever, right away you're playing with free money, house money to start. Um, they have in-game, live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for everybody who plays fantasy, look, everybody plays fantasy housewives. Everybody plays fantasy. You can bet the over-unders on fantasy players. It's another way just to enrich the fantasy experience. MyBookie.com, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com, MyBookie.com. Use my promo code locked on. Put some money in there. Get it matched 100%. Go ahead, wager away. You can do uh, Bears, Green Bay tonight. Obviously, two games on Monday night. Get your stuff started. We already have a Thursday night game four days away. So whatever you want, guys, mybookie.com has you taken care of. Pete, the defense. Um, look, they gave up some points, and there's no doubt about that. You know, I mean, I'm sorry, they gave up some yards. Uh, James Conner, uh, Le'Veon Bell, I hope you were watching because you just lost about $10 million, maybe if not more, in guaranteed money. Uh, but the defense, uh, they held their own, gave up a lot of yards, but six turnovers, three sacks. This unit now that is deeper and has some teeth to it, very impressive. And, you know, hats on Denzel Ward. I, I do remember saying on the show, Denzel Ward is going to have to be an interception machine 
to warrant being in the number four overall pick. And look, the touchdown he gave up to Antonio Brown, look, you take your hat off, dude. Uh, you just you got schooled by a Hall of Famer on a touchdown. That's just going to happen. But defense on a whole, man, really great job. So, you know, Denzel Ward, I'm unbelievably impressed with him. Uh, well, I know, because he couldn't score a touchdown against you, so I understand where you're at here. Yes, I mean, there is that. So, you know, <laughs> got to gotta, gotta overcome those hurdles. But, uh, yeah, look, the, the, the first interception he had, um, that's incredible eye discipline to be able to sort of cover your man, to be able to see inside while still having your leverage, and to be able to make that athletic play uh, to stop that, intercept it, get the ball back near the red zone. That was huge. Uh, the second interception was a gift, but, you know, who's arguing? Uh, and then the thing that made me, what really impressed me was he gave up a touchdown to Antonio Brown. He had great coverage. I don't like the coverage call there. I thought they had, they had a safety over uh, to help to maybe scare Ben off from making that throw. But it was a perfect throw, great catch. Uh, he's in position the whole way. He doesn't get down or stop trusting his technique or anything. So later on, in the fourth quarter and overtime, he's still doing the things he's supposed to do, and he's still making plays. Had a really nice pass breakup uh, late in the game. Made a bunch of tackles. I mean, it's one game, but if you're going off one game, it looks like Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward's team on defense right now. Um, is he likely to stay you know, that good? No, but for a first impression, I mean, if, if you're saying – is he worth the fourth pick in the draft? You'd say yeah, and then some. Like that—that's—that's that's not a question. Um, so you know, I, I love that defensively overall. Um, Miles Garrett, obviously, you know, I think he's a stud. I pray he's not Leroy Selman, where he's a Hall of Fame defensive end dragging around a garbage team for much of his career. Um, he absolutely, basically, just took over at the end of the game uh, to force the tie. I thought Chris Kirksey was great. Um, Demarius Randall did some nice things, uh, but it, as a whole unit, you know, this this was sort of the opposite of what last year's defense was. Last year, they gave up nothing on the ground. They let teams sort of nickel and dime down the field, and then they'd never get turnover, or never cost turnovers, and get beat late on that crippling touchdown. Uh, in this one. They caused turnovers. They got pressure on the quarterback in a way they couldn't last year. It wasn't always great. Uh, they gave up more rushing yards, but were able to come up with some clutch stops in the passing game. And more importantly, and I, and I talked about this sort of during the game, is there were a couple plays in the history of Ben Roethlisberger playing the Browns. He would scramble out, somehow extend the play, and just find a way to kill kill the Browns. It's just if you have watched this team, these teams play together. Over the years, that's just been what happened. The sack that Larry Ogunjobi or that Larry Ogunjobi sort of started. There were a couple other plays where, you know, Ben Roethlisberger trying to extend and he couldn't do it. Like those are the plays the Browns were able to make to keep themselves in here. But previous years, that would have been where they lost. This year, it stuck in it. Uh, Jannard Avery, you know that huge play for him, so you've got you know all these guys with expectations like uh, 
Kirksey, like Jamie Collins, who I, I thought did pretty well, although, man, it would be nice if he caught that ball. Um, Miles Garrett was great, and all, all these things are going well. And then you have Denzel Ward, a rookie, and Jannard Avery, a rookie, coming in and making a huge impact to sort of put you in a position where now you can win the game. Uh, unable to do it, but six turnovers in five, you know, five quarters, yards you'll live with if you're going to get the ball, and this is really what Greg Williams' defense is supposed to be. High risk, high reward, and in this game, they got you know a lot of rewards in, in position to win games. I think the thing that impressed me most about the defense is, and what we saw last year was, the defense usually would go no-to-nose for 35, 40, 45 minutes, but once it was to 21-14. The defense was like, all right. They looked across at the offense and was like, all right. We got more in us. We saw a lot of last year where the defense kind of, it was a gas-out situation towards the end. Like, they knew they were fighting uphill battle, that even if they got the stops, the offense was not going to reciprocate to make this game closer and, and, and you know fuel the fire for them to go out and give this offense one more chance. Uh, you know, regardless of who the quarterback is, but I think this defense understands that there are guys here on offense who can make plays. And now that the defense is a little bit deeper, and you know, obviously some guys capable, more guys capable of making plays, whether it's turnovers or getting after the quarterback, I think that was a that was a big statement that we saw. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 you know, this is a game that doesn't know how to win. Nope. They, don't know how to win yet, and you know you saw and that. Part of it, though, and part of it is though, Pete, is the defense can do what they can do, but you can't export, expect them to score 10, 14 points a game. It's it's got to come from the offensive side of the ball, and it's got to be inspired. And there might be that guy. There might be. Right. So I mean, you know, and obviously, the more that the, the more this goes along, the more it's going to be we're going to be talking about that that possibility of when, when, when are you going to give the keys to the key, when are you going to let him sort of take all these guys out there and, and how many near misses can you uh, how, many, how many near misses can you afford before you at least, at least decide uh, that you want to see this but you know the thing to keep an eye on is, is are, at some point or is he going to start getting reps in practice with the first team that'll be the first hint uh, what I hope does not happen is that after not giving him reps with the first team and, and swearing this is the right way to go, that you then throw him in, which is exactly what happened to Des Harrison. And I, I, as I said before, the sh- with the pregame, I'm saying it now, Des Harrison struggled. It is not his fault. He was put in an awful, awful position, and I, I put that entirely on Hugh Jackson. I have said all along, I don't think Des Harrison is a starting caliber tackle, and he may just this may be who he is. But for this game, for this particular game, you cannot put this on a kid who was not prepared properly, uh, was an undrafted rookie, put in an awful position, and expected to go out there and be and be good. And this was not against you know stellar pass rushers. Bud Dupree is not a good player. This is not. I mean, imagine what you're going to see when you, you go against some of these other players next week. It's going to be guys like Cam Jordan. Like that's going to be tough, and it's not going to get any easier for him. So that you know, this just does not reflect well on him. Hopefully, Harrison gets through it 
with his confidence intact and is able to sort of build on this and get better. But you know that and I feel for the kid. It's it, in a lot of ways, and we talked about this last year with Deshaun Kaiser, not put in a position to succeed. And as much as Deshaun Kaiser struggled and did things poorly, that comes back to the head coach. And what are you trying to build here? And how do you make these guys better? You're not helping these players. And we've gone over this a hundred times. And the thing with uh, Desmond Howard, uh, Desmond Harrison, and we've gone over this a million times, Pete. He could have been a three-week, three-month, three-year type of guy. Now, now he went out there today and obviously you know took some lumps. The question is going to be now, Desmond Harrison. You know what's inside of him? Is he going to come back? Is he going to be able to learn from this? And you know, is he going to turn a corner and get himself to an established position? Look, I mean, me and you, we've said this a hundred times. We think the future left tackle of the Cleveland Browns is playing on Saturdays right now. But we're going to learn of what Desmond Harrison is cut of. And up until this point, it's not been a great history of what's inside Desmond Harrison. But next Sunday, we'll see. I mean, and does he learn? And is is this for Desmond Harrison? Is he ready for this life? Right. And, and you know, the other part of this is, hopefully, you know, the, as again, as much as I think Desmond Harrison has been put in such a uh, position to fail, I hope the response here, you know, if this is really what you wanted to do, is not to then freak out, put Petonio back at left tackle, put Corbin in the guard, and say... After well, he was I, inactive. <laughs> right, right, and, and then say, well, this is what we're doing now. Like, this is everything about this has been panicked, has been rushed, has not been done properly. So if, if they if they turn around and then do that, you may ultimately destroy this kid. Not that he's ever gonna, not going to be able to recover, but it's more about how he's perceived by fans and, and that stuff that now he's damaged goods in their eyes, that he can never be effective, uh, and, and you get into that stuff, which, again, happened to Deshaun Kaiser. It became the point where he became a pariah, not his fault, and they almost, you know, I, I think he was handled poorly in the trade, but... There's this element that you can't keep him because of what the coach did to him. Absolutely. Guys, uh, Pete Smith from NFL Spin Zone. We're breaking down the 21-21 tie. Uh, whatever way you want to slice it, guys, it's better than a loss. Locked On College. Guys, this is a new venture here for the Locked On Network. It's taken off. Everybody seems to be really receptive. Obviously, everybody knows how big their ties are to their college communities, to their college programs. Uh, Lockdown Knowles, my buddy Wayne McGay, he's doing a fantastic job over there. Check out Lockdown College. Find whoever it is, your favorite college team. They got you covered. Whatever sport it is, Lockdown College has you taken care of. Uh, Pete, we did some pregame stuff this morning. And we started, uh, we picked, uh, who was your unsung guy? It was uh, Mr. Ogbot, correct? Yes. And yes. Eh, I mean, eh, I, exactly. Yeah, I, I think. You know, I, I I think his preseason sort of carried over a little bit. He had you know a couple of okay plays. He he's sort of a sound position guy. I do think his presence in the interior is helpful, uh, but I didn't see a playmaker. I'm hoping I see more of a playmaker. I saw sort of a role filler type guy. Well, I mean, uh, it, we we haven't seen it yet, and now it's been since August. Obviously, getting over the surgery, you know. Whether you're football ready or 100% is always a huge difference. I'm not sure if he's 100%, but he may be football ready. Yeah, and and, and uh, 
you know, well, hopefully he will play himself into more. You know, some of this is always going to be confidence. You know, trusting the injury. Uh, at one point, he did leave the field and has ankle retape. Got, you know, who knows if that was the same ankle, or the same foot, or anything like that. But you hope he's going to get more and more comfortable. However, and not to get too far ahead of ourselves, talking about the draft stuff and the off season, they're at least seeming to concede the possibility that he may be a defensive tackle in the future. And I have no problem with that. But what it does is it makes it so they can either add, address the three technique, you know, full stop, find a, a stud like that, or they basically say, look, we're going to, you know, a guy, you know, like Cleveland Farrell sitting there and he has a great year. And you say, well, we're just going to make odds like gain about 10 pounds and be a defensive tackle. And add a guy like William Farrell, so we have him, Garrett, and and Jannard Avery coming off the edge. That you know, it, it's sort of not having a position truly may actually work out for the Browns' benefit in this case. But yeah, this is certainly certainly you want him to play better. Again, I think he did things to help plays. I do think he sort of facilitated some of those plays uh, for Miles Garrett and sort of taking away escape routes and stuff like that. But yes, I want to see him become more of a dude. I agree. Now, Pete, we both picked our players of the game. You picked, obviously, Miles Garrett. Well, I, I kind of put that one on a tee for you. You also picked Mr. Duke Johnson. Um, I don't think the coaching staff saw where you were coming from on that angle. Uh, I myself picked David Njoku. I don't think anybody saw it uh, from the coaching staff. Again, Jabril Peppers. I think Jabril playing a role he's more comfortable with looked very good. So uh, we'll give ourselves both a check mark on the uh, defensive side of the ball. I think that's fair, right? Right. So I don't know if Hugh Jackson and company listened to the podcast before the game. And said, they should. I agree. I agree. But I don't know if they basically said, screw these guys. <laughs> but they treat Duke Johnson like a gadget player. I don't understand. And then why was he extended? That's the that's what I don't get. Right. If he hit the open market, he would have gotten a massive contract from somebody who's going to feature him. Uh, and given the way they sort of hit him in the preseason, you got this sense that you know he was being saved for something. And the first three times he touched the ball, I'm fairly sure we're all on third down and seven plus. Uh, the a draw, a couple screens, and they kept trying to run screens to him. They never split him out. They never really just gave him a traditional handoff. It was always some sort of draw or screen or so. It was never just take the football and go. Every time, uh, you know, other than a couple Nick Chubb carries, he needs more of those, by the way. Absolutely. Uh, you know, he needs to learn how to pass protect because that was a disaster. But every meaningful run play, for the most part, was to. Carlos Hyde. They basically said he's the dude. He's getting the ball, and there were a couple nice runs. But overall, you know, in the offensive line, there's some responsibility. It's almost as if throwing this together in the last minute wasn't a great idea. But you know, for the most part, he just looks like a guy. He doesn't look like a you know a playmaker guy. You, you ride the victory. He's just sort of yeah, he'll clog and get to, you know two yards. He's not going to go backwards too much, even though that happened a couple times. It just you know they, they don't get playmaker playmaker vibe out of it, and maybe he'll be better in the coming weeks. But you know, right now, you know, you say again, and this is a trend with Hugh Jackson coach teams. You say we're going to be a run run game based team. We're going to really pound the ball. We're going to ride that. 
we've invested so much in our offensive line, and we've got these backs, and we're going to ride them. And then we get to the game, and like one out of your first eight plays is a, a true run with two scrambles from Tyrod uh, and all that stuff. Now, the one thing I will say, uh, completely off topic, is we did mention the possibility of using a little bit of designed quarterback run. They did run the run. They only ran it once for some reason, but they did run one zone uh, read type thing, and it was a nice productive play. I was I was a little surprised they didn't try to do that more just to shake them up because of the way they were trying to run blitz their gaps so much. No, and the thing with Nick Chubb is, I mean, here's what happens when you have an undrafted free agent left tackle and you're getting some reps for rookie running back. I mean, you're asking a lot for some guys who, and look, Nick Chubb didn't work really much with Desmond Harrison. Uh, so, I mean, it, 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 and again, this is putting guys in a position where they're not really comfortable with each other yet, and especially when you have crazy bullets flying because you're playing the elite of your division. Yeah, uh, you know, and it, it just goes back to learning how to win and, and understanding, you know, getting the whole cliche stuff about you know, the black and blue and the AFC North and all that stuff, and I don't buy into that. Everybody plays hard physical football, uh, and everybody hits the quarterback, but there is an element of sort of understanding how to win in that big spot, and I thought the defense took a huge step forward in that case, and I thought the offense and special teams went backwards for the most part in that save a choice drive with uh, Tyrod going to Higgins and then Gordon on the one thing. That was maybe the best, most cohesive set of plays in crunch time that uh, I've seen from the Browns in, in over a year. Yeah, and the thing is, look, I mean, when you're going to put these kids in this position, the best thing would do is to have them have some familiarity with each other before you get into this position. But, uh, Pete, look, uh, week one is in the books. It is 0-0-1, and at the end of the day, you cannot complain you didn't lose this game you obviously had opportunities to win it. You certainly had opportunities to lose it. So you walked out with a tie um, and <laughs> go to face the New Orleans Saints. And, uh, guys, here's going to be the thing. I cannot imagine how aggravated the New Orleans Saints are when they got their butts handed to them by Ryan Fitzpatrick. So it's going to be interesting next Sunday. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I, there's, there's a lot here. First, the Saints have to win. I mean, they, they, they you know, you, you get hate to get into this whole must-win thing, but with the Saints, they're in that tough division, and they've lost a game in the division already. That's not where they wanted to be. This is a team with Super Bowl aspirations. Um, you know, they thought they were adding what they, you know, amounted to the final piece of the puzzle with that, a first-round pick in, that, in a pass rusher where they gave up so many assets to add this try to sort of get them over the hump and then they you know you go out and get give up 48 points to Ryan Fitzpatrick Jameis Winston may be in trouble there um, he went to Harvard if he didn't know people. he did he did I, I've heard that um, so you have that and the other problem is now the Browns are going on the road and they play an overtime game and and you obviously played a lot in high school and then college that's a physically and emotionally draining game, especially if you don't win. Uh, and, and you can't help but feel that, and I think this goes for the Steelers too, they, they play the Chiefs. I think both of those teams, 
it may be a little more difficult for them to get up and going at the beginning of their next game and, and could, because of the way this one sort of brought, grew out, it took so much of a toll on them and the weather and everything else, you may have a bunch of guys get sick, that it may be tough for them to sort of rally and rebound and get ready to win a game there. And that could be you know, a situation where this, this again shows where the Browns haven't sort of gotten to uh, as a team, that could, this potentially could be a game where they get blown out a little bit. But again, I think the Steelers are in similar trouble uh, against the Chiefs, and it's just the nature of the beast. They're an older team, uh, and, and that was just a long, physical, beat-up type game. I mean, God only knows how many hits Roethlisberger took, never, never in mind Tyrod, who took a ton of hits. There's just a lot to sort of try to get over, try to improve upon, because both neither team can be happy at all about where they're at right now and then try to rally and get a win. Well, and that's the thing for the Browns, though, because the thing is you have New Orleans Sunday and then obviously you're going to go and play at home Thursday for the Jets. So, uh, I mean, you know, is it going to get too demoralizing if you get your doors blown off Sunday and then you got to come back four days later and play again? So it's going to be really interesting how that plays off. Obviously the goal here is to after the Jets came on that Thursday night, is somehow, some way, you want to be 1-1-1 one, one, one at absolute worst. Guys, Locked On Browns, we're doing the week, uh, week one, obviously, post-game wrap-up. Pete Smith, guys, follow him. We just work over at NFL Spin Zone. Guys, follow the account at Locked On Browns. Always a, uh, a follow-back account. You guys are fantastic. I appreciate all the support you give over there. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, here it is, guys. Look, 21-21. Uh, 0-0-1, but look, it's not a loss. No moral victories here in the NFL, but uh, it's a game you could have won. It's a game you could have lost, but somehow, some way, the defense fought to keep it where it's at. The offense, some good, a lot of bad, a lot of bad, and um, there's a guy wearing number six, Pete, lurking in the weeds. Not only that, but I mean, if you're Hugh Jackson, you're Todd Haley, I mean, Come on. Week four. Week yeah. four. Let's get let's get through the next ten days, but come week four, could be new head honcho. It's definitely possible, Pete. Could be new head honcho and a new QB one. Yeah, no question and, and not only I don't I don't care who is ultimately called head coach, they need wins. And if Tyrod Taylor's not gonna do it, it, it becomes very easy to try to pull the trigger and, and see if you can get something that's gonna produce some kind of W for you. Yes, and if we learned anything from today, we learned the defense is ready to play winning football. The offense, not so much. Guys, until tomorrow night, uh, it's been locked on Browns. Look, it is what it is, 21-21 tie. Uh, nobody's popping champagne or you know opening up a Bud Light fridge over it. It is what it is. Didn't lose, and that's what matters. All right, guys, I'll see you tomorrow night.